welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Jade, Stacker Pentecost sent me Rose. <laughs> and I'm Hamish, 25,000 tons of awesome steel. And it's a catch-up geek out, and you may have guessed, if you're a particular flavour of nerd from our titles, one big thing, one ginormous thing... Uh, that Hamish and I will be talking about um, in today's Catch Up Geek Out. It's been a little while. You've heard from Hamish by himself. You've heard from me and my sibling. But it's Hamish and I. It's back. It's the OG box not included brand. It is 12 minutes past nine on a Saturday morning. <laughs> We're very busy people. We've got to find where we can talk. And we need to, unlike our usual Catch Up Geek Outs, where we have probably already been talking for hours this feels like an actual catch-up yeah what's been going on oh god ah oh, shit i am sleep deprived um oh my god i stayed up too late watching a thing that is going to be one of the things that i'm talking about later in the episode i think i know what the thing might be i don't know it's some i, don't. I saw i saw my twitter um <laughs> descend into mm. tears and yeah. happiness. And... I've purposely been, I've only gone back on Twitter in the past half an hour. I uh, purposely went off Twitter on Thursday night before I went to bed and purposely stayed off because I didn't want to be spoiled. So, mm-hmm. which also meant I missed the first influx of reactions to the thing we're going to be talking about, but I have since joined it. So that's good. Um, but yeah, how have I been? Um, Busy with work. Uh, I had the first recording session of the actual play podcast that I am currently mm-hmm. chest deep editing. And core blimey, our, our little setup for Box Not Included is so much less work. <laughs> it's so much less work. But no, um, it's really cool uh, listening back to everything. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of, I think people are going to enjoy it. And it felt as it always does when I GM something for the first time. Legit fucking terrifying. Um, it wasn't without its issues. But, like, yeah, for the first session where people are getting to grips with a the system they've never played before and I've never uh, GM'd before, it went really well, um, and I'm very mm. happy. So, yeah, we'll be doing our next session for that soon. Um, also in tabletop shenanigans. Um, I'm starting a new game today where I'm a player and I'm super stoked for that. I'm travelling up to southeast London to go hang out with some people that um, I met at Nine Worlds. Um, a couple of them were actually at the session that I ran on getting started in Dungeons & Dragons and I'm going to be playing in a game with them. So I'm really excited about it. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think. I, 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 I've been always so busy at conventions and things like that. Um, that it's been a while since I feel like I've made new friends at them. Mm. Um, I've made a lot of friends in like the comics village of other comic people. But, oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm very excited. I actually really enjoyed going to Nine Worlds this year rather than tabling. Yeah. Um, because it's a really good community. So that's really, I just, it's really cool that you did the getting started in D&D and now it's sort of led to something. Yeah, no, um, yeah. one can't help but uh, feeling a little stirring of pride. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I, apparently I have uh, whatever plot there was to be had, I do not have it today. So uh, this should make for a really interesting record. Um, that aside, I had a really cool day off work where I was supposed to go to the Pink Floyd exhibit at the V&A that was sold out, which I discovered before travelling up to London. So that could have got a whole lot worse. So um, mm. I spent a day instead with my partner. We went to CEX and bought a bunch of Blu-rays and spent <laughs> the day watching films, which was really cool. Um, I watched Train Spotting 2, which I hadn't seen and had been meaning to do so. Uh, John Wick, which my partner had seen, but I hadn't. And that's really cool. I've been wanting to see that since I watched the movies with Mikey uh, reviews mm-hmm. of John Wick and John Wick 2. Uh, John Wick 2 I haven't seen yet. That's on my to-do list. But I know it has Ruby Rose in, who I'm a big fan of. And uh, the Lego Batman movie, which I cried at the very chirpy, <laughs> happy closing credits song, which will surprise nobody that knows Jade's feelings on Found Family. The Lego <laughs> Batman movie is among my favourite Batman films. It is one of the best <laughs> Batman films. I'm happy to talk about it more as we go on through the uh, the geek out. But uh, Well, there's, there's a sort of lost episode we wanted to do a, a few weeks ago with a, a guest who's a bit of a Batman expert, um, but Skype 
whatever uh didn't let us do it but i essentially was we're still gonna do it yeah uh, um, where we talk about all of the batman interpretations and i have a lot of strong feelings about lego batman yeah <laughs> no legitimate adaptation yeah no same um we'll save our, I'll, I'll mostly save my thoughts on that I'll, I'll maybe have a couple of but yeah i just really really enjoyed it and it's just i'm not surprised that i enjoyed it i'd heard such good things about it but it was mm. cool to see that it lived up to what i'd seen people saying about it which was uh really cool uh, but what about you, Hamish? I know you're a super busy man. Well, I'm super busy, but I'm not as busy anymore. Uh, yesterday I delivered a very important thing, a Ooh. very important deadline. Yeah. My secret project I talk about on uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. um, which is a really big deal, but it's also now the kind of the waiting begins as it gets passed around. Sure. various producers and what have you but it does mean i've got a bit of time off i'm gonna <clears throat> sorry gonna go back to um doing dead endia uh-huh. um, which excites me um i also uh, i talked about a small press expo when i did that little interlude episode but mm-hmm. um, i hadn't been to thought bubble yet which i have now <laughs> um and that was really cool and uh i got to see lots of uh friends um, but the highlight was I was on Veer's LGBTQ comics panel. All right. And um, it's one of the few times where I think I've talked the most and didn't feel too bad about it. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. Usually, I know, you normally worry. Like, yeah, usually I feel like I do talk the most, but um, the panel was very much assembled last minute by whoever was already attending. Um, every time a question came to the table, I sat back and made sure other people talked first and looked down the table, but it got to a point where I was saying, like, I basically do a podcast about this, so I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. Um, and... You use that podcast credential. You use yes, it, Hamish. I, I gave a shout out to it. Um, Hell so yeah. If you're, if you're listening because of that, thank you very much. Um, but it was just, I, I, you know, I... If anyone follows me on Twitter, like every other tweet is about me being angry about some kind of homophobia or transphobia or something in the industry. And um, I don't know, it was just really nice to be on a panel and feel like, actually, um, this is my expertise. Uh, Sure. At Nine Worlds once, I was on a uh, Tolkien panel and I had just read The Hobbit for the first time and I felt a little bit out of my depth. Yeah. (laughs) so, I don't know, it was really, really fun. And I signed off by saying what I said at a previous LGBT comics panel, yeah. which is, um, it's sad that Captain America can be a Nazi, but not kiss a boy. Yeah. Which always gets the crowd kind of stirred. Um, <laughs> you rabble rousy. <laughs> um, and other than that i mean i i at thought by boy debuted a little zine called beef yeah i i've has, positively uh, received yeah i mean it it was inspired by small press expo as well yeah um where not drawing beefy dudes but i had done it's kind of affected my day job as an animator as well where i had a bit of epiphany at small press expo and i know this sounds ob- obvious but I just realized for so long I was trying to make things I thought people would like. Yeah. And like, oh, this will be popular. And I had this kind of epiphany at Small Press Expo, seeing all these people make zines and comics, and it just do exactly what you just want to do, and people will like it. Uh huh. Um, it's a. I did a short for Nickelodeon ages ago called Nickelo- uh, called a uh, urchin. And um, we just got the rights back to that, so I've been kind of developing Ooh. it. Um, and the sort of the big mantra for it is that last time I was really trying to get it commissioned, so I was looking at Nickelodeon shorts and trying to ape them as much as possible. But the shows that get commissioned are always ones which are just such a breath of fresh air or a really unique voice. Yeah. And not like any other show on their network. So... I don't know. It's just I've I've gone through a little creative. Um, That's good. Renaissance. Renaissance. Yes. That's amazing. I'm so happy. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's how I've been. That's cool. Um, that's cool. I'm I'm super stoked. 
Oh, and also I we did record a few episodes of the Poltercast. How did that go? Oh. It went well. I think I can't I th- I want to sort of record another one because I just think we haven't quite matched the tone <laughs> of but I think basically it's like how this show started off as we kind of want to do in Terrorbang. Yeah. Um the Poltercast started off based on a show called My Favorite Murder. Uh-huh. Um which is really good. If you like true crime, I like it. Some people don't because they think... Uh, it's kind of hosted by two, like... They sound very Valley Girl. Yeah. I think I hear. And they make a lot of jokes, but it's not ever at the expense of victims. It's kind of like laughing through the fear of being, a, you know, a girl in California where murder is a constant sure. like, thing in your mind. Um, anyway, I, we tried to sort of copy that tone... And it just does not work for ghost stories. Um, I think because murder, true crime stories always end in a kind of a very definite point of were they caught, weren't they? There's always a mystery. But I think with ghost stories, they kind of, well, and that's when they last saw the ghost. And they sort of peter out a bit. Yeah. Um, but we got some emails and we read those out and they were really spooky and we actually got chills. And that's when it felt good i think oh, we went cool. in saying we're not gonna make it scary we're gonna make it funny and realized it was actually just much better if we lean into the spooky. spoopy lean into the spoop yeah no, but it's just cool. interesting I mean, doing, doing uh it made me really appreciate uh box not included in a way in the oh um, just how each because i've got another idea for a podcast uh and stuff but like they all fit little um moods and they all sure I, I i the times when i felt box not included has uh stressed me out a little bit is when i wanted it to be everything like yeah. i wanted it to be my podcast and i wanted it to be funny and informative and like i made like i wanted it to be everything but now i really appreciate what it is and does well yeah i mean i couldn't really sit down and tell you what it is that it does well no. but uh it's definitely no i know what you mean though i think we've sort of found our footing with it sort of like the kind of vibe we have with our conversations and things like that so i really enjoyed our last few episodes mm. um mixing it up a bit they've, they've been a they've been a bit it's real yeah, <laughs> we're uh, a little off-brown at the moment, but I don't think that's a bad thing. It's like, hmm. you know, it's like Diet Coke. Lots of people like Diet Coke. It's just not the same as... <laughs> oh, no, I need, I'm wondering if I'm craving a fizzy drink right now. <laughs> this is <laughs> the moment. earliest we've ever recorded. This is. This is earlier than our panel at Nine Worlds. This is sort of like, this is scraping. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not scraping. That implies a lack of quality that is not true. We are giving I you the highest is, podcasting. I still think like the 9am's is when most people listen to podcasts. That's so. true. But I mean, I'm fairly certain most folk don't record their podcasts at 9am. Yeah. Or if they do, they're clearly leading much healthier lives than I am. So um, um, tell me what you've been geeking out about. Well, I have one word for you. I say one word, it's more a sound, and that sound is which is my very poor impression of an air horn. <laughs> but Hamish seems to enjoy it, so it's great. Um oh no, and I didn't I, clip I out mean, my it's recording. It's also just generic trailer noise. Um That's not fair. I think though. I know what you're talking about. There has been movement in the breach. The trailer is here. <laughs> Ah, let's talk yes. about Pacific Rim Uprising, because, because, because. <sighs> I think it's fair to say that for the last couple of years since it's been announced, um, mm-hmm. the little Pacific Rim community that we are part of, that we know each other because of, that we yep. know our sponsor and many of our friends because of, um, have been somewhat reserved and trepidatious uh, cautious yes i think there's definitely been an element of some optimism when we've heard little tidbits but i do think the general vibe has been like not sure if want yes definitely (laughs) um 
personally, but... I've seen I've seen some. Yeah, I've seen some like uh, some of that continue, and I've seen some people not really be a fan. But I think about zero point eight milliseconds into the trailer, I was on board. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we had. Uh... Yeah, we had a little while ago, we had sort of a PPDC propaganda style video that tonally I was unsure about and was making me a little nervous. I mean, to say when we've had the thing like when um, various things like when Gil- we knew that Gilmore wouldn't be directing it, they were like, uh, and then but John Boyega came on and has been a real driving force behind the movie. Like he took on mm. a producer role and he was excited and just like, well, John Boyega knows his shit. Um, and yeah, we've had this trailer drop at uh, New York Comic Con. And while mm. there are reservations about aspects I have of the trailer and the things that we'd started to hear uh, after, because the, the synopsis got revealed earlier this week, um, a loose synopsis, mm. because we hadn't heard anything about um, Makomori at all. And then her name was right really close near the top of the synopsis. And everyone was just like, Rinko's here. And I, I could feel like this sigh of relief ripple out through the Pacific Rim fandom on Twitter. I've just retweeted the thing from io9.com, just blasting air horn. So glad to hear it. And the number of retweets and likes that got, I was like, all oh, my Pacific Rim friends are here. Everyone's on the same page mm. in so many ways. And then this trailer has arrived and... Casual reminder, the the trailer for Pacific Rim was not a great trailer. I think I wasn't sure I wanted to see it. Sure. Um, I feel like this trailer is a much stronger trailer than the one for Pacific Rim. There are aspects of it that make me a bit mmm, but most of those are to do with how much or how much deep affection I hold the first film in, and it's the differences there. But that said, the fuck it, as soon as they had that slight piano rearrangement of the Pacific Rim theme, I was just mm. like, oh, I'm home. I'm home. Um, yeah, I mean, the visuals, are, there's some great looking visuals in it, and I'm very excited about certain things. It doesn't look the same, and there was no way it was going to look the same. But I feel like Stephen, um, is it Stephen? Yeah, Stephen tonight has clearly and that I've seen uh, the panel or some of the panel and some uh, a great breakdown somebody did about his comments about the movie that just makes me feel this is so enthusiastic his enthusiasm and his passion for the project and the way he talks about things and the way he talks about Guillermo de Toro everything that has happened every bit of word I have heard from the director from the cast is just like oh okay cool okay cool okay cool Stephen Denight showed up at the pro- in a PPDC uniform. I'm just like, this is my flavour of nerd <laughs> yeah. right here. I mean, he's, is he the showrunner on Daredevil? Um, or I the think first season of Daredevil? Yeah. Yeah. So the guy gets visuals. Like when I think about I how think... the first season of Daredevil looks, I love how that season looks. Mm. And I know that's not just um, the director that is responsible for that, but I get, I'm getting off topic. Well, like, I assumed and I'd kind of accepted that this film was going to almost distance itself from the first one and try and semi-soft reboot it because I just had this image of, like, some producer saying, robots are monsters, people like that, get rid of all the things people actually really got invested about. Um, So I was actually surprised that how much of a sequel the trailer felt, like... Yes, you, you have like so many of the characters back in the imagery and the theme, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, this I, is t- this is so, ten years later, but it's very much continuing that story. This is yeah, the world we're revisiting. I mean, they aren't doing it again. This is a continuation, like you said. I mean, I do consider myself a sort of fan of kaiju cinema and the genre more than Pacific Rim. Um, mm-hmm. In that, I, I mean, this that's why I went to see the film. People went to see the film for all kinds of reasons. I didn't see it because of Del Toro. I saw it because I like Kaiju. And, um, I mean, P- Power Rangers <laughs> and things like that, they 
they completely reboot the universe every season, and most Godzilla films take place in their own, like, timeline, and I, you know, I, the first Godzilla film was this, you know, nuclear metaphor, but by three films later he was fighting space aliens and, like, best friend of sure. children ever, and <laughs> the, the, the kaiju genre is so malleable that the fact that it looks different and it has a very different, like, uh, directorial eye um, yeah. doesn't bother me. It kind of excites me. I like that the first film feels like night and rain, and this, and this feels is like day daytime. And sunlight. And, um, I was thinking about the first film, and, like, there's a, a little bit in Sydney, but really the film takes place at night until the sun rises at the end. Yeah, we have maybe um, some stuff that's kind of dusky. Like, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. That's really interesting. And then this film takes place in the day. Mm, and nowhere to hide. We can't, we can't piece everything together, but I wonder if... It, 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 it almost feels like the first film was a prequel and they're kind of setting up like maybe a multi-film kind mm. of situation anyway i was just like you know i saw my boys i saw we saw our boys <laughs> uh we saw, saw our queen I... uh, looking saw our queen. dapper looking conflicted but very well dressed yeah i mean i have fears oh god yes um but i also i also have like a kind of sense of distance like i'm very at peace with the fact that the first film will always exist Yes. Um, and this right. other film, it can almost be an AU. It's yeah, you know, this, 10 this, years later. It's mm, This does nothing to take away from the first movie. Yeah, I never expected to get this film. Like, even, yeah. like, even though I knew it had been filmed. But sure. suddenly, and I can tell why the trailer took so long, because you can't really do a trailer unless you can show all the robots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the for monsters. sure. But um, I don't know. I was just, I kind of impressed that... We were seeing on-set photos and, like, the costumes mm -hmm. looked a bit dodgy and... But in uh, context, everything... In context, I, I kind of get it. And, like, mm -hmm. um, like a, a little thing is that uh, the Jaegers are moving a lot faster and a lot more colourful. Mm. And it's... A cynical person could say, oh, it's, like, trying to become toys and... Uh, being more Transformers-y, but I think it's just taking uh, inspiration from a different pool of reference, because I think the first film was very like, Gundam, and it mm. was very um, analogue in terms yes. of the of the machines. Like, you felt like every like piston was working its hardest. For sure. And I think this is very uh, Evangelion or whatever. Where it's a lot smoother. It, uh, like, you can tell, yes. like, the PPDC have got money again. Like... Yeah, and I think that's also interesting in that the first film, they were running on fumes. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is this them is... at full. Yeah, and it, lead, it lends the question that if the war was over, why were they funding so much of this? Why... Yeah. It... I think a lot of people have speculated about um, a kind of corrupt... corrupt... Yeah. Um, did you did you is... see how well dressed that lady in white was though? Like that screamed yes. kind of villain. I mean, to be fair, I was also looking at who is that woman? And I'm really will excited. She, be my she wife? was in um, Kong Skull Island. She was in Kong Skull Island oh, right. and barely did anything to the point where I assumed her character was in it uh, for the Chinese market, and mm -hmm. she uh, had all these other scenes from her perspective that were cut for our release it was, it was very suspicious she kind of got introduced and then disappeared Ooh. um but maybe she was off uh buying that coat um it's a good it's a good coat it's a good it, coat in a, in a trailer filled with giant robots and monsters it's impressive to be the most memorable thing in it <laughs> yeah though um, um i mean there, there's other i don't want to spend our whole podcast talking about pacific room 2 because we're going to have an episode where we do that when it, yes. after it comes out. Um, but one m memorable sort of moment I particularly enjoyed, um, and they've talked about this, is a character who's sort of a Jaeger hacker. 
And mm. while a lot of the tech seems to be more like VR almost, like uh, the pilots are a lot more fluid, I think we got a shot of what was described at the panel as the inside of Scrapper, who is a small Jaeger who's like piecemealed from lots of other bits, like stolen tech. Mm. And the rig of her inside that was that same sort of very manual feel. And I was just like, well, clearly that's the Jaeger that I want. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm glad that it seems to be taking place in the same world. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't expect for it to go very deep into world building and I don't expect it to be as good. I don't expect it to be anything like this, but it doesn't seem offensive to me yet. I'm excited. And yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, I, I've become very cautious recently of all types of films with a kind of military... Bent. I've become a, I've become a bit more... Uh, you, you can say jaded, it's fine. <laughs> jaded. I always feel bad about saying that because it's so close to your name and you get offended. It's fine, um, I, I really enjoy being in places and somebody says, oh, I'm so jaded, and I'm like, excuse me. Just... <laughs> Uh, sorry, um, car please carry on. I'm just no, stepping I just on your point. There's a. I just think the world's a very different place since the first film came out, and sure. Um. I I trust. I I trust uh, John Boyega, and also I do follow the um, director on Twitter, and he's done nothing but like mm -hmm. uh, post good political rants for ages. That I trust he seems like a good person. Yeah, I I trust this film's not going to be super pro military, and if yeah. that means a kind of corrupt uh, sort of institution they're fighting, yeah, that's fine. Just don't make mm. Newt a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I I appreciate the from the visuals and the trailers and from what they haven't lost that whole. It's about people coming together from all walks of life and from all parts of the mm. world. Like uh, one of the comments that uh, the director made at the MYCC panel is the uh, the PPDC is very much now there's no where they've had to build all the Jaegers from scratch there's no longer a Russian Jaeger and an Australian Jaeger it's like everybody building stuff together so mm. yeah I mean I'm not saying I, I'm not free of reservations but I'm feeling a lot happier than I was like it's cool yeah. and I saw my boys I'm, I mean this sounds a bit mean but go on because I've seen reactions which have been more negative, mm. I'm leaning more inclined to sort of seeing it completely on my own. Mm. Um, I would love to see it in a group, but I, I'm also scared of... I'm very uh, easily swayed by, like, the opinion of the group. Yeah. Um, and I really, You and I, I should try and want... go. You and I should yeah. try and go. I'll, I'll come up because you have a cinema near you. I'll come up. Well, it's like, uh, yeah, I just, I, I have different needs and different expectations. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would be sad if I really enjoyed it and then came out of the cinema and I was surrounded by people who were annoyed because of a detail I hadn't noticed or cared about. You know, it occurs um, to me that we have only seen one film together at the cinema. Like, we were at the same screening of Pacific Rim, but you... Like, we've watched films, like, Hanging Out at Home. Yeah. But I think the only th film we've seen at the cinema together was um, Age of Ultron. I think wow. we saw before... Uh, film. Mm. So, yeah, no, it'd be good. It'd be good. Mm. I have talked so much about Pacific Rim and doing that air horn noise that I feel like I possibly need a drink. I agree. Okay, let's go put the kettle on. It's the middle section of the show where we stop talking about the geeking out and we start talking about you are amazing listeners and yeah, other things. Um, I the podcast app on iPhones has updated and it's horrible. So I've heard. It's just there's no distinction between text size and it. Ooh. I understand it from like a design point of view, but not as an app design. Anyway, what I was trying to say is that the one saving grace is that it's a lot easier to read the reviews of a podcast. And so ah. this morning, 
I saw all of the lovely reviews that people have left um, about our show. And Thank you, listeners. I, I hadn't really been aware how many we had, and they're really lovely. Um, that said, if you want to review us, you can uh, add to the uh, add to our score. That would be very helpful. You can uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. You can do it on your podcasting app of choice, but iTunes is kind of like yeah evil and controlling and only... Uh, cares if you have scores um, <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i i want to um thank our listeners thank every you week. listeners it means a lot um, to us that you're there i would love to talk to you about squarespace but squarespace doesn't sponsor us instead beastly beverages does and, and we I love like... beastly beverages <laughs> and that's, that's who i'd like to talk about um <laughs> They make fandom and fantasy, luxury, hand-blended, loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. The business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded and almost all of the products are suitable for vegans, which is amazing. And because it is October, the month of terror and horror and phantasmagoria, um, That's some we're good a... enunciation. <laughs> I'm a fan. We are... Moonlighting, ah, bad moon rising. Nicely um, done there, Hamish. Described on their website as smoke and silver with a subtle sweetness. This is a rich, smoky blend of silver sugar balls, which dissolve for a lunar glitter in the black tea. Also I'm sorry, what, what, milk. what? Did you say there is glitter? It gives glitter uh, in my tea. There are these little tiny. They're not even that small. They almost look like bubble tea-sized balls, but they dissolve in the black tea so that the tea looks like the night sky. Uh, um, uh, if I had a brand, that would so be it. Also good with milk, if you prefer your dark nights a little more stormy. Oh. Um, it's part of the Beastly Beverages Demons and Monsters uh, exclusive tea range. Its ingredients are the silver sugar balls, uh, oolong, <laughs> kimon, and Lapsang Shushog. Well, you did good. You did good, buddy. You're cool. I should never do the ingredient section. Um, yeah, like all but... the teas, it contains 100 grams, uh, about 100 cups of tea. Um, it's got artwork by uh, Mr. Lucian, who is a comic village um, celebrity, I feel. Um, and he listens to the podcast, which we were delighted does. to find out. Um, so, yeah, the perfect drink for those... Um, Moonlit, Moonlit October night. nights. Yeah. If you fancy uh, getting yourself uh, a bag of Bad Moon Rising, uh, you should go over to beastiebeverages.com. They've also got a, a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. Also now a YouTube channel uh, so you, where you can yes. see uh, the owner, operator, and tea wizard himself uh, talking to you about tea and fandom and various things. Uh I think it's Mr. T-Beast on YouTube, but if you go to any of the above things that I just listed, you'll get a, a link to the YouTube channel. And uh, if you use the sponsor code BEVERAGEBEAST, all one word, capital B's, you can get free shipping when you spend £20 or more. And that's literally only two bags of tea. Mm. That's that's like nothing. Um, indulge. Get yourself some indulge. good tea. Um, Beast Beverages ships worldwide. Oh, I was going to say that. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, the the, uh, the code again is Beverage Beast, or one word, two double Bs. Uh, it's October, so I might as well uh, say that uh, BC Beverages will be at London MCM uh, later this mm -hmm. month, um, as will I, um, in different I sections. I will not. Um, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, but yes, but so come and see us. Um I still remember last time when we were sat at the table, we had lots of people say how much they love the podcast, and it still warms my heart. Mm. Um, well, your heart warm is warm. My heart <laughs> as much <laughs> as a cup of Bad Moon Rising. <laughs> uh, release your inner beast with Beastly Beverages. See, I'm going to stop doing these horrible slogans because yours is really good. Amber's I just stole la no, I just stole Amber's and just said the words oh. in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of that I've just about finished my drink Okay, let's uh, head back you? into the show So Hamish Aside from uh, the Pacific Rim trailer Which uh, came out <laughs> yesterday It's been an emotional 24 hours 
Um, what else have you been geeking out about? Um, so I've uh, been reading a book I picked up in Small Press Expo. Um, I haven't had much time to read, I say, doing lots of other cinema activities that could easily be reading. Uh, <laughs> but yesterday when I was like rendering out this uh, secret project, it, it takes hours and you can't do anything on your computer, so I brought my book. And it's Spinning uh, by Tilly Walden. Um, it's a graphic novel. Um, Tilly is someone who I've followed their books for a while. Um, she's ha- she ha- she has a really beautiful, loose, but uh, detailed style. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's done uh, several books. Um, probably most famous, I Love This Part, which all of her books are about just kind of sad-looking girls falling in love with each other. Um, Sounds great. And, and uh, Spinning is her, her full, big, chunky tome. It's a memoir of her coming out, um, and, but tied in with her childhood of um, figure skating. Ah, so, hence the title. Um, yeah, so it's really lovely, and the sort of the chapters are divided by different um, uh, figure skating techniques. That oh, cool! She learned. Um, and I've not got very far, but um, it's just it's very nice and personal and honest and beautiful. And I hate her because I think she's basically just turned twenty and oh, had multiple books out. God, and everyone <laughs> loves her. Um, I did. I got to see her from a distance at a small press expo, but the her queue was so long. And I, I, I hate her, but I'm also have that weird kind of pride where oh yeah, you no, so a random little book a few years ago, and now she's um, conquering the world and very deserved. Um, awesome. Uh, so I mean, I, it it's a comic book you can get at any bookstore, but um, I'd recommend it if you. I mean, comics are very dependent on if you like the art style, but I think it's really lovely. The whole book's uh, sort of black and white, but it's um, blue and white and has bits of yellow, and so it's very, very pretty. I don't know how someone that young finds all these, like, refined artistic techniques. (laughs) I want to find Tilly Walden's, like, DeviantArt anime stage, um, because I don't (laughs) understand it. But yeah, it's very, very good. Oh, cool. Um, that's quite a short one. But... That's, cool. um, that's fine. Um, I actually, on the similar sort of line of graphic novel memoirs, uh, I finally read Fun Home. Um, uh, yes. I picked up I picked up a copy when I was in uh, New York uh, on holiday. Well, the tail end of my holiday, the New York part of it. I was only there for like three days. Dear God, I want to go back. It's an it was an amazing city to be in. But anyway, I picked up uh, Fun Home. I actually picked it up in the theatre bookshop, which is one of the most jade things to say in a <laughs> sentence. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the it wasn't necessarily necessarily. Um, it's interesting for me reading narratives that are so f- closely focused on people with their dad. Um, it's mm. not the easiest thing for me to read uh, since I lost mine. Very careless of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Uh. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. But um, it was really interesting because uh, obviously I, I, I was vaguely I'm familiar with the with the musical, having not seen it. But um, we talked about it briefly uh, a couple a few episodes ago. Um, but I knew Alison Bechdel's work from obviously the strip that gave birth to the Bechdel test. So I was mm-hmm. familiar with her from that. But it was really interesting to sort of get into her mind and be a part of the story, her sense of humour and her wryness. It was a really, it's a really good read. I do recommend it. Um, obviously, it deals with themes of depression and suicide. But um, yeah, I was really really enjoyed it uh i don't know whether i'd read it again quickly in the same way that i can't watch certain films too often but i'm Mm. really glad that i have read it like uh because alison in it talks about like uh growing up um realizing uh, she's a lesbian her experience is sort of 
the community, I think in New York when she was growing up and it was uh, when she went to college. So yeah, it was a very good read. It's interesting that um, we both read coming out memoirs <laughs> in graphic novel form. Um, a uh, Something that's very old, but uh, just came out on the Nintendo Switch eShop uh-huh. and I've been enjoying is Stardew Valley. Um, which is, it was sold to me because they said it's Harvest Moon, but you can be gay. And uh, it kind of is. It's a, it's like a, a cute little pixel farming sim. Um, mm-hmm. But whereas far- farming doesn't seem to be your job, like in the Harvest Moon games, it kind of removes a bit of the stress. It seems to be your hobby. And uh, everyone in town is just really cute and you can marry them. And I... Aww. I've I've kind of I uh, got panicked because there's two particular guys in town that I have the affection for, mm-hmm. and I couldn't decide who I wanted to pursue. And then um, uh, my friend Lydia said, "Oh, you can divorce one." And I went like, "Okay, great. That's totally my mistake, first <laughs> husband, and then that's my forever husband." Um, so I've got my whole virtual life uh, figured out. Um, but it's just really cute. It it um, I had heard about it for a while, and then Griffin McElroy did his like top ten games of last year, and it was his number one game. Yeah. Um, which is fun. It, I I love when like a little indie pixel game sort of reaches the top of a list of games with like these AAA massively budgeted titles. Sure. Um, and I'm just trying to play a few more indie games, really, and actually finish some games, because I'm a bit addicted to buying them, playing them for a bit, loving them, and then buying another game, um, just because I don't play them very much, so I don't, um, you know, the time comes around when I have the money and the a new game comes out, and I buy that rather than play the ones I've got. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I do a similar thing with books and like comics yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, so no just, judgment uh, here. Justin, um, my husband, for the listeners who <laughs> don't know, uh, he has a rule that for every book he buys, he has to read three that he's already got. That's um, smart. But I don't know how that relates because he keeps buying books, so he's up to like 500 books he has to read before he can buy another one, but he still buys them. <laughs> it's a good theory. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are just little things and uh, the reason why I mention these little things is that I've seen your things you want to talk about and I actually would like to talk about them as well oh, okay, sorry <laughs> no, no, um, well, you good. Mentioned... I went uh, cool, um, well you mentioned uh, Griffin McElroy um, mm-hmm. uh, so me a good maybe opportunity to talk about the um, new sort of the experimental phase of the Adventure Zone kicked off this week uh, they're going to be exploring, um, like sort of doing very mini arcs as they explore new systems before going into a massive campaign again. And they, uh, Clint is uh, GMing the, the the series they decided that we just had their world building character building episode. And it's a superhero, it's going to be a superhero game uh, called, uh, they're calling the arc Commitment. And uh, it's using the fate system, which Hamish and I are both familiar with. Um, and it's always really interesting to me to hear, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to hear people explain a system that I know, even if I don't maybe know it in detail, because yeah. I, I find that a really interesting way to, because somebody might phrase something in a way that I had never considered before. And I find that really interesting. But um, yeah, so sort of had a bit of an explanation of what the fate system was. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's cool. Um but yeah, I'm looking I'm... forward to them mm. discussing the fate's health in mm. quotation mark system because yeah, the consequences. I I know it's one of the best ways to do it, and yet I cannot explain it to myself or others. At sure, the table. I've used many metaphors that just don't really make sense. So. Yeah. Um. But we'll what? See how they do that. <laughs> but what? I, what was really cool? We went through the character building. And what was great, uh, one, there's lots of gags going around about how Griffin has basically made a sweet flips boy, um, which is awesome, um, which is great. And uh, one of, but what's cool is one of the references he cited uh, is 
a wrestler, I want to say Xavier Woods, uh, who is a, a, a black guy. It uh, was a weird turn of phrase, uh, the way I said that even. Um, but we've got uh, Travis's character uh, is a woman called Nadia, who um, part of her heritage is British Bangladeshi. And uh, Justin's character is also a woman who um, has ties to Inuit culture. And I was just like, these good boys, they've learned. And they are, and they per- they said in their character building, it's just like, we should, what, it would be boring and it would be wrong because their whole premise of this uh world that uh, Clint has developed is it's like the best of people coming together to do good in the world and mm. it would be wrong and weird to have that all be white guys mm. but the way they talked about the the reasoning behind their choices particularly Justin with his character was really sort of both inspiring as somebody that plays uh, tabletop games but also somebody that's looking to put content out for an audience about how they've clearly taken on uh, criticisms and suggestions to to help them going forward, and that was like, because the good thing, what I like about the macro is they aren't looking for credit when they do good things. They just like, okay, cool. I want they just do good things, and it was nice to see that reflected in the choices that make they're making. Yeah, it was the choice of a guy who would spent two years playing as someone called Taco. <laughs> that's also true. Um, uh, I mean, actually, that's kind of part of it. I'm. My my only reservation is, um, and it's not really a reservation. It's just like, will it still be funny, um, or will it be? Uh, but I don't think that's really a, a problem. It very quickly became so much more than trying yeah. to be a comedy podcast. I feel like that's the humour often it's... now just comes from them talking and playing as a yeah. family rather than yeah. Also, the get... characters in the story. True, and given the. Uh, Travis quickly came up with an aspect where his character doesn't think much of Griffin's character and you could see, you could hear Griffin like puff go like, what'd you say about my boy? So I'm personally (laughs) not too worried. Though um, somebody, I saw somebody point this out on Tumblr and knowing that Travis is a fan of the British Bake Off and has named his character Nadia, who is British Bangladeshi I'm just like, (laughs) I really hope that all of the fan art just is Nadia from the Great British Bake Off because I mean, I can't really think of someone, like, not that every British Bangladeshi person called Nadia is the same, but... No, God, no. Knowing that that's 100% his inspiration, and the fact that uh, Nadia uh, is a superhero in real life... Exactly. (laughs) Um, She'd be the perfect, like... um, She'd be amazing as a superhero. I would totally But also, his character... I don't think of her being like he's it's still given her a unique Oh god yes. Oh very much so. Yeah, but I don't think that Travis has recreated Nadia from the Great British Bake Off as his character. No, there's no. there's a nod of inspiration there, it feels like. But uh yeah, no, they all sound really interesting as characters. I'm very excited to uh to see how it comes out and to see Clint's uh GMing style. That's what I'm looking forward to. Because he I think he, he seemed to really know his stuff mm-hmm. in the episode. Um, sure. And his pool of references is just slightly different. Yeah. um, That excites me. And, you know, in a few episodes time, we'll get some new babies. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, um, the art that they had commissioned for uh, is really cool because they have like a nod to the adventure zone in it. But they've got all Mm. these little pictures that indicate the the ideas that they've got that they're going to explore. And we've got, obviously, the superhero one from Commitment. There's like... Uh, a detective Sherlock Holmesy looking thing. I mean, there's one that's in space, and there's one that's a Wild West game. There's one that I don't know what it is. But all it is is like a, <laughs> a Stonehenge kind of style archway with leaves, mm. and I'm just like, I like this one. I don't know what this one is, but I like it. So um, and they say that oh, it's only going to last a few episodes, but knowing yeah. role playing, I'm sure it'll be a still few, a satisfying yeah. amount. Oh, most definitely. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, yeah, no, me too. I'm also very excited to be doing this, uh, joining new characters live and mm, not having yes, to catch this... up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> yeah. Cool. I... Sorry, I just realised it's all it's all stuff that I'm going to be talking about now. <laughs> well, I the other thing, can mm-hmm. I mention the thing that I want to talk about, which is on your list? I don't. I didn't want to talk about this, but it's just something I've also been watching. Oh um, yeah, sure. The whole plate. Um, uh, yeah. Talk about that. 
the whole play is sort of a mini series from Lindsay Ellis, who we've spoken about before on the podcast. Uh, she's a video essayist. People might remember her work. Uh, she started on sort of Channel Awesome as the nostalgia chick, looking at uh, films from sort of uh, and media from a feminist perspective. It was more sort of humorous based back then as fitted the vibe of that show, but she's very much uh, doing her own thing now. Uh, Shay Apocalypse is a sort of a network of YouTubers that she sort of spearheaded. Uh, but she uh, is a film studies grad. That's sort of her her wheelhouse. And she's been doing this, the whole plate series, which is uh, film studies exclusively through the lens of Michael Bay's Transformers movies. <laughs> and what's, I mean, because um, Lindsay talks about definitely being a fan of the first and like, it's really interesting. But what she's doing with this series is exploring film theory. So it's very actually educational. Mm. But uh, we've had like auteur theory and feminist theory and um, it's just, it's very interesting and also very funny. Like Lin Lindsay's style of videos is very engaging to watch. Yeah, I, I, my friend Lydia and I, one of our favourite things to do is watch bad films. But I think we come at it from a slightly different angle than a lot of bad film people who just want to laugh. Um I genuinely could, I, I just, I learned so much about filmmaking from watching things that don't really uh, succeed in many ways. Yeah. I could do, um, I could do a whole like, you know, TED talk about Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice and like how we can learn from this and not make this mistake again. Um. <laughs> well, it's, it's an old adage that you learn more from mistakes than you do from the things you get right. And I think that's just as true of other people's. Like, there's yeah, a lot I mean, to like, be learned. Mark, like, huge masterpiece films, I just kind of sit back and think, like, how did they do this? And But I, I, I could never... They make it look so seamless. And you... It's it's a little tougher. So anyway, I just I really love the the this series. Um, I get very excited whenever there's a new episode. Mm, same. Um, uh, what I found really interesting in a recent one is um, she did three episodes about feminist theory, and um, talking about Megan Fox's character Michaela, mm -hmm. um, and how if you ask people what's her character, they're very dismissive and say oh, she hasn't got a character, but she's possibly the only character in those films with a really defined arc and character and um, the performance is, like, fine. It's just that the film is telling us not to care about it. Yeah, that, that whole framing. Yeah. yeah, that's such an interesting thing that I'd never really been conscious about uh, as, like, because I think it's one of those things that works on a subconscious level, but the dissonance between framing of a camera like what the, what you see presented with the story that as it is on paper like there, there's always been sort of experiences where you go that doesn't seem to gel with the story that this film is telling but it was it's really interesting i i like that it has made me rethink and that i all i always appreciate things that uh do that yeah um and it's also just really funny and yeah <laughs> um i've been watching a lot of her videos um at work i have two computer screens and I'm doing very monotonous things and it's yeah. allowed to put some YouTube stuff on. So I just um been watching a lot of her very, very old things. Yeah, that's um, the that'll be the nostalgia chick days where she wears yeah. the bow tie and she um uh I, I was watching uh her Wild Wild West review <laughs> which comes with the um YouTube video description like since I uploaded this seven years ago, I've become a very different person. <laughs> um, <laughs> the sort of jokes should make it slightly different, but uh, yeah, it's still yeah. really great content. And um, yeah, no, yeah, um, I, we've re I was gonna say, we've recommended her stuff before. I definitely think she's been an influence on me back when I considered doing a YouTube show. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's a great analysis. She's very savvy, very funny. Um, her stuff's good. And she also ta talks very eloquently about when things succeed. Um, yes. The reason I watched her Wild Wild West one was, was it was a part of like a mini series about Will Smith, and I'd not, it, it, you know, uh, Men in Black is a good film. It works, and knowing why it does is really interesting. Like, um, on paper, you could sort of wonder why 
you know, Men in Black does works and Wild Wild West doesn't. Yeah. Um, I'm sure producers were really confused why that was the case. <laughs> but just she just very eloquently puts like, well, Agent, you know, Will Smith's character in Men in Black likes people and he's invested in mm. like the mission. Whereas it, it makes me think about flanderizing characters when yeah. you take one element of them and like hey, remember in Men in Black when um, Will Smith was kind of snarky that one time? Mm. Um, let's make that his whole character where he doesn't care at all and he's really rude to people all the time and ignore all the times when he was really empathetic and mm. invested in every single person they met. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, um, yeah, it's just a really I'm, good series. I also, um, while we're talking praise about Lindsay's videos, uh, I just want to mm. give a shout out to her one about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 which is a film yes. I have mixed emotions about, but I watched her review, uh, her, her take on it, and mm. um, I cried. Um, like, I'm, it doesn't no. take away the issues I have with the film, that's, but I think it gave me a perspective on it that maybe I hadn't considered, and it kind of laid me bare. And I was like, oh. Which I think is a sign of good criticism, if it can present something to you in a way you hadn't considered and cut to the point yeah i was a bit disappointed by that movie and but whereas some of my friends said they really liked it more and it's interesting i saw some people who friends who didn't really like the first one said they kind of liked the second one and like i liked the first one and didn't really like the second one but the sign of that good analysis was hmm I want to watch that again. Yeah. I kind of wasn't interested in doing that again. So um, I continue to feel vindicated in my love of Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm impressed that he's one of the most subtly <laughs> characterized characters in the MCU. Yeah. Um, he's, I don't know. He's really great. It's really good storytelling with him, mm-hmm. but we haven't needed like a, a big, origin movie or prequel thing it just yeah it, yeah I, yeah. I, I like i love rocket mm. uh speaking of good storytelling s- um <laughs> the reason why i am particularly sleep deprived though this conversation with hamish has definitely rejuvenated me i'm feeling much more human than i did when we started um i stayed up catching up with the most recent episode of critical role um i am not going to spoil anything because it won't even go up on YouTube until Tuesday. <laughs> if you watched it live or you're a subscriber, you'll be able to watch it. Um, but it was very much, I don't think it's spoilery to say because it's been very well documented. This was sort of like the, not the total series finale for this arc or for this group of this campaign, but definitely we are like maybe just now approaching the epilogue. But, uh, to watch, it was really interesting. Like the players were terrified and excited, and Matt was clearly the DM was clearly nervous, but having the time of his life getting to uh, describe this, the map was a piece of artistry. And as somebody that plays D and D, it was great to watch from a mechanical perspective, just like from a DMing sitting how the encounter was structured and put together, but also as a storyteller and a player of D and D, like the choices people were making and the story that was unfolding, it was very engaging. I was tense. I was there with the characters the whole time. I'm clutching my chest in a faint sort of Southern Bell kind of way right now that you can't see, but I feel I should share with you all. But there was this moment. And I won't say what it was between two of the characters. One of the characters made a decision uh, in character and the player was very upset having made that decision. And you could see a quiet exchange between him and one of the other players. These two players are like really close friends uh, in real life. They, they call each other husband and stuff like that. Like they're super tight. They're, they're, um, Liam, it's Liam and Sam. Uh, Liam birthday was uh, the reason why they had their one shot that became their campaign. Sam had never played D&D before, like Liam literally dragged him along and helped him form his character and everything like that. And at the end of the episode, uh, there was this little moment where it sort of elaborated on what had happened. And this just really quiet exchange between two good friends having this moment. I won't say what exactly the context was, uh, but 
Liam voiced what he thought had happened and Sam confirmed it. And Liam was just like, you broke my heart. And like Sam started to cry. And I'm just like, this is what is amazing about collaborative storytelling and getting to do this with your friends. And the amazing moments that happen when you come together to tell stories, play stories. Because I saw a tweet from Matt Culver say like, you don't, truly tell a story when you do a tabletop game you're playing a story which was an interesting distinction that i think he has a point about but yeah, yeah something i'd uh, like to remind certain uh when certain things happen in uh, actual play podcast fandoms yes they are not they yeah are i wish to writing yeah. something and acting something they're playing a game yeah and there go things happen as it goes along and yeah but uh, yeah, that just little moment, uh, Liam and Sam have a very similar relationship to me and like one of my best friends. And it was just like this quiet little exchange in an episode that had been full of so much big things. And it was really wonderful and affecting. And I'm tearing up a bit thinking about it now. And I was crying about it then. And I went to bed with a really bad headache because I had dehydrated myself from crying, which is a frequent Was Joe Mangadello problem. there? He was. He um was guesting. Um like last I week. I saw him he... tweeting about Critical Role. Yeah, he's been a fan for a while. Like what what I love about him is like he's been a like a proper D and D nerd since the eighties, which I didn't mm. really know. I'm not familiar with his work. But his character was in it last week. Um and at the end of that episode was just like, um, I'll hold this guy off, you guys go. Um and yeah, he got to pop back in to have that that character sort of survived what he was doing to join the group for the final closing moments and it was a really fun character and he had a great great final moment that was just oh so beautifully D and perfect and amazing but yeah uh critical role yo like this art this campaign's now finishing and it, uh, they have been releasing it as a podcast if you can't do the watching which i appreciate is a big ask with that mm. so yeah but um, just being swept along. When you say campaign, I, mm. I saw a lot of people saying, like, doing hashtag thank you critical role and things. Um, mm -hmm. Is it continuing? Like, yeah, the show, is... the sh yeah, the show Critical Role is continuing. These characters, their story is ending. And mm. they're going to have new characters. And I think they're going to go back to, like, level one with all new characters. Nice. So, Maybe that's yeah. the time for me to properly get on board. It yeah, is daunting. As a yes, I I I admire your um, just how quickly you got through it all, and I I autism I good for something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it is a lot. ADD doesn't is, is sort of the <laughs> yeah uh, the counter. I can't do yeah. No, I feel you, buddy. Oh, but yeah, um, so that's why I'm sleep deprived. Um, but it makes me very excited. I, I'm to play D and D not once but twice today because I have my usual Saturday night game. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm nice. good. I'm feeling very excited. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, oh. I mean, I, I I'm a bit excited because we've had several months of uh, having to cancel our Monster Heart games. Uh, mm. The Monster Heart games I've been doing with. Um, uh, Mel, Pisswitch, Trender, but uh, <laughs> we've just mapped out um, our next like five sessions. So, Ooh, exciting! That. Gaming is fun. Gaming is fun, oh, and so is making mm. this podcast with you, Hamish. I'm glad we've gotten to catch Thank up. Thank you today. very much. Um, have we done enough for what today, though? I feel that feels like a solid catch up. It does. Uh, cool. Um, as well as my amazing co-host, uh, I'd like to thank Graham Waller, <laughs> Audio Overlord, Master of the Soundwaves, uh, for our theme music. He helps produce the podcast. You can check out more of his work at grahamwaller.com. And the synthy stylings of Glitterwolf are now uh, available direct to your ears at glitterwolf.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can download the first two singles. The album is coming soon. Um, you can get in contact with us on our individual Twitters. <laughs> I'm Jade Oxford Rose. I'm at Hamish Steele. Um, we also have a plethora of others uh, for Box Not Included. We have a Facebook group, um, Box Not Included. We have a Tumblr, Box Not Included. We have a Twitter, Box Not Included. And we have Box Not Included at gmail.com. We are also uh, doing a No Box Box Pop soon, 
where the theme is trick or treat. I'm excited. Whatever that means to you. We've, uh, we've had a I'm couple sure of questions we'll already on the Facebook group. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, but feel free to send us a trick. I don't know how you can do that. But, yeah, I mean, um, you could like send us a dare. I don't know how, but a lot of stuff <laughs> doesn't work well on an audio medium. Think about think about what a good uh, podcast dare would be. Or yeah. maybe just asks actually really revealing or tricksy questions. Um, or you can just ask us like what our favourite sweets are. Like it can be as yes. small as that. <laughs> it can be as big as you like. It can be talking about what our favourite monsters are. Anything mm-hmm. you like. Uh, we're going to get spoopy. We're planning on doing a couple of sort of Halloweeny episodes, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we're excited to. Uh, maybe I'll. Maybe we'll wear costumes in the studio. I doubt it, but we might. <laughs> I'll find a bat. Hang it off the mic stand. <laughs> but until then until then uh, I'm Jade Rose I'm Hamish Steele and don't let anybody box you in 